You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Today's episode is an on-air coaching call where I take a fellow yoga teacher through a mini strategy session. These on-air coaching calls are a great way to get a taste of what it's like to work with me one-on-one, but they're also a fascinating peek into the brain and business of other yoga teachers. The teachers who participate are incredibly generous and brave to allow me to share their experience, their stories on the podcast, and I have so much respect for each of them. If you would like my help with your teaching or your yoga business, I'd love to connect with you. You can find out more about my paid strategy sessions at teachingyoga.net slash coaching. You can also get peer help from other listeners on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group. If you're not a member yet, go to teachingyoga.net slash join. And if you're curious about doing an on-air coaching call yourself and sharing your story with my podcast audience... I currently offer those opportunities to patrons of the podcast. To find out more about becoming a patron, go to teachingyoga.net slash patron. That's P-A-T-R-O-N, patron. In fact, I'd love for you to go do that right now. Pause this, and when you come back, we'll jump into today's conversation. Emma, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. And you said before we started recording that what you had originally wanted to talk about maybe has shifted a bit. So why don't we just jump in with what you would like to talk about today or how I can help you today? Sure. So uh, before, when I filled out the form to, for a chance to speak with you, I was working a lot in private classes with athletes, specifically cyclists. And since I filled out that form, I have been offered a position as operations manager for a studio here that is pretty prestigious. Um, And I have some skills that are good for this. I was a wedding planner for four years, and so logistics management and delegation are definitely skills that I have. But Um, In my own practice, and even before I became a yoga teacher, I was not at studios very much. And when I was teaching, I still wasn't teaching at studios. I think I had one studio class. So I'm feeling out of my element. I really want to do a good job. I want my teachers to feel supported by me. I want clients to feel supported by me. Um, But this is just totally a new environment for me. What do you see as being the biggest challenge for you right now? Right now is probably client communication. Our studio is requiring vaccination documentation to come in person and do classes. And so we've been working with MindBody on setting up a procedure where people can't even register or pay for an in-studio class if they don't have that designation in their file. But... Getting that information out to people has been challenging and getting people to to read it and to really understand what it means. You know, we're not accepting drop-ins. 
we're really trying to position ourselves as the safest studio in the city. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really new situation yeah. that probably many studios are finding themselves in similar situations. They may not have the same policies as your studio, but communicating what their expectations are and their requirements are for opening back up in person, I think is a big challenge. And in general, right now at this stage of the world with how much information we all have coming at us all the time, getting people to read things is tough. It is. So I don't know that, you know, I think we can keep talking and keep kind of digging in and seeing if I have any help to offer you. <laughs> but <laughs> as far as this goes, you know, as far as this initial topic goes, I feel your, you know, I feel the challenge that you're under. Um, and I would mostly just advise you to be gentle with yourself and to recognize that you can only do so much as one human being, right? And this is the case is, you know, for those of us who are entrepreneurs and we're trying to reach out and we're trying to connect with people and we're trying to offer our services to people and then people ignore us, that's not a flaw. That's not an inherent flaw in ourselves, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a disconnect between our priority and the priority of the client. Right. And, you know, uh, I feel really lucky to be working with a studio that's so established in the area. They have been open for 18 years and had two studios prior to COVID. Uh, they have lots of dedicated members and a dedicated core community. I know that People in that community are looking forward to being back with one another, practicing with one another. We've worked really hard to get the studio open. And it's things like contractors coming in and people not wearing masks. I mean, it's been a lot of different challenges. And that's part of where I feel like my event planning experience has come into play. But I still feel like I definitely have a perfectionist side. And I know that that is maybe coming up for me right now. Like when you're saying like, be gentle with yourself, like I'm tearing up a bit because it's been really hard. I'm, I really want to do a good job and I really want us to succeed and, and thrive post COVID. You know, the, the vaccination requirement will probably not last forever. I mean, um, you know, people in my city are already not wearing masks on a regular basis and not even a way that I feel like is dangerous. So based on what you just said earlier, it sounds like it's not just client communication, it's also communication with the contractors. Yes. So we're working on hot room build out way down the line when it would be safe to have people breathing together in a space like that. We've got a state-of-the-art HVAC system put in and things like that, but it's been it's been challenging getting everyone on the same page. Sure. And that makes sense, especially if you're talking about HVAC contractors, if <laughs> because, you know, you're talking about people who may be from a culture that is very different than the yoga culture and who may have a strong sense of identity 
based around not wearing masks, right? This is something that many people have built their identities around in the past year is whether or not they wear masks. So, you know, I think that when it comes to a temporary relationship, like a contractor, you just do the best you can, you stay compassionate, you communicate as clearly as possible, and you remind yourself this is temporary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. And I, I do think that for a lot of people, whether you're into wearing masks or not, it's become a thing like uh, the CDC recently set out that thing saying that people who've been vaccinated can be inside together without masks. And I know that there's been some pushback on both sides from that too. And so it is a really confusing time. Uh, I, I think that this would be challenging at any time, but maybe especially now, you know, we're making our own rules and there are other studios in our area who are requiring this as well. And of course there are some that aren't. Mm -hmm. so, and you know, we've gotten mixed reviews from our clients too. It's been mostly positive, but there have been some people who've been really upset. And candidly, I was part of that camp initially. If someone had requested that of me, I would have felt like it was intrusive and I don't know, some type of inappropriate. Uh, but now having seen the reaction of the students being overwhelmingly positive, thank you so much for creating a safe space for us. Um, th things like that have, have meant a lot. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely cannot please everyone, <laughs> it, you know, in general, but then on this topic, people are so polarized that you really have to, you know, and, and as the manager, it's not even, that's not even your call. The owner needs to check in with their values right. and make decisions based on what they believe is skillful action in the moment. Yeah. Granted that they could be wrong, right? They could be unskillful, <laughs> but they're doing their best. And, and, you know, as the manager, your job is to keep checking in and making sure that you and your values are in alignment with the studio owners um, so that you can carry out their instructions and feel good about what you're doing. So, as far as the communication goes, I think I have a couple ideas are starting to float in to me. One is to get really clear about what the goals, desires, and priorities are of whoever you're communicating with. So whether you're communicating with the teachers, the students who wanna come back, maybe even the contractors like the HVAC contractors, <laughs> the more that you know what do they want out of this relationship? Then the clearer your communication can be. So here's an example. I'm thinking specifically in terms of the students who wanna come back into the studio. You could send out an email that has as the subject line, want to come back into the studio in person, question mark, read this. So it's like crystal clear who should read this, people who wanna come back into the studio. And then you can even start it out by saying, so excited to have you back in the studio and you must read this first. There are guidelines that we're going to follow. And if you don't read this, you're not gonna know how to return in person, something like that. Just be super crystal clear about like, what's the intention here? How can reading this get you what you want? Because I think that what I see a lot of times communication from 
studios or businesses in general who maybe don't have expertise in communication, which I don't feel like I have, but I've been a student of it for a while now. And I've been like really absorbed in learning about how to, how to communicate better specifically in this one-to-many environment. Yeah, exactly. Is what I see is vague subject lines that are like really boring and not clear about what's in it. And it makes sense to the person, like new guidelines for in-person. You know, it makes logical sense as you're writing that out. But if you haven't put yourself in the shoes of the recipient, if you haven't put yourself in the shoes of what would this email look like landing in my inbox among all the other emails clamoring for my attention, would this grab my attention? Would I be motivated to make time to read this? And then the other thing is that when you write those emails, that you write it out first, include everything that you think needs to go in there, and then remove everything that you can remove. Every word that can be taken out, take it out. Add in headers and bullet points. And the more variety that you can put into your text, the easier it is to scan through and absorb quickly. Okay. So those are some things that I would implement for communicating in like copywriting business language. These are basically broadcasts, right? When you have one person sending out a message. So it could be an email broadcast. It could be a text broadcast. It could be potentially some other type of broadcast as well. I suppose like a podcast or something like that, but you, you really need to be thinking about, okay, as the person sending this information out to the many people, it's my responsibility to take the time to craft it in the way that's going to be easiest to understand. So more people take the time to understand it and more people are able to absorb it. That's so helpful. Thank you. Yeah. I think that some of the things that we've sent out have been verbose and also emotional. This has been an emotional process for our owner. And uh, there's definitely an opportunity for more concise communication, for sure. (laughs) And also thinking about the communication from the perspective of the receiver. Right. I think that's really key because the instinct is to send it out. Like, I want to send it from my heart to you. Mm-hmm. And there are times where that's appropriate, but it's tends to be appropriate in certain doses. Like you want to be genuine, you want to be honest, you want to be heartfelt, but you don't want to be indulgent. And so a lot of times it's about pairing back and pairing down. It's about first, you just put it all out there. And then you say, okay, based on the person or the type of person who I'm expecting to receive this and what their goals and priorities are, what they want out of this relationship, what should, what do I need to take out? What's not adding to their life basically, because in a sense, when you're sending out a broadcast, you're in a relationship, right? You're in this one to many relationship and the responsibility of the person sending out the broadcast is to add value and to be almost in a parental role, right? If you are a parent and you are in a relationship with your kid, 
the younger they are, but really throughout the rest of their lives, it's never about the parent, right? That can be tough. That can be a tough pill to swallow. But ultimately, when you are in the role of parent, it's about what's in the best interest of my child. So there's a way in which the business owner takes on that a similar responsibility of I need to not get my emotional needs met through this type of communication, right? That's for my therapist. That's for my friends. And when I'm communicating with my clients, I need to honor the leadership role that I have stepped into and do my best for the communication to really be about benefiting them. Yes, I, there's definitely an opportunity to take a leadership role in that way. You're exactly right. So what else with reopening the studio is on your mind as something that you're not sure how you can accomplish it gracefully or with the level of skill that you want to bring to the table? Our teachers are so integral to our studio. And I genuinely believe that they're some of the best in the city. And that's part of why I believe so much in the future success of our studios because of our teachers. I really want them to feel supported by me. Uh, I took a day off the first day in like 11 or 12 days on Saturday. And I had several people reach out to me and I, when I'm off, like, I just don't want to respond and I want to not feel bad about that. I want to not have pressure to do that. And I also want people to still feel supported at the same time. So, um, you know, there's obviously an opportunity for communication about my schedule to them, but also setting boundaries. And I guess really in a nutshell, that's been the hardest part of this job so far is setting boundaries with what's going on. My schedule is unpredictable because it's just all hands on deck right now, whether it's organizing the moving truck or hanging things on the walls. I mean, literally we have done it all by hand ourselves. And so I'm wondering if that set the wrong tone or precedent for how available I can make myself while we were trying to do this push to get open. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Look, I think that we figure out where our boundaries are by having them violated. I don't think we can predict ahead of time unless we've had that experience in the past where our boundaries are. And I, you know, I always come back to the parenting, but I always say that my older daughter, who's now 18, she put me through boundary boot camp because she was a boundary pusher. And so I learned by being in relationship with her where my boundaries were and how early I needed to set those boundaries. In theory, the earlier you set the boundaries and the expectations, the better. In reality, you can't set a boundary with that you don't know that you have. So as you notice that your boundaries are getting pushed, then you have the opportunity to communicate that. And it sounds like you have a good relationship with the studio owner. So that's the first person to be in conversation with about your boundaries. And you could even just open up a conversation about boundaries in general, saying, this is a growing edge for me. 
I can see that this is going to be a work in process. I want to request your support in helping me identify and communicate my boundaries with the teachers as needed. And just kind of, you know, human to human, this is a really appropriate thing to ask for support from your boss about. Okay. And especially if you frame it in that way, like I want to ask you for your support in this realm that I'm working on, then it's not coming across to her like you're violating my boundaries and (laughs) I need you to be different. (laughs) But instead you're just sharing, this is something I'm working on. I take responsibility for my boundaries, but you're also letting her know that this is a thing. You're, you're giving her some insight into you and how she can support you. And any good employer is going to be really thrilled to have information about how to employ, or sorry, how to support a key employee. I think that's true with the person I'm working for right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So start that conversation with her, uh, see what kind of feedback you get from her. She may give you some good ideas and go from there with staying in communication with the teachers about what your boundaries are as they evolve and know that it's okay for your boundaries to evolve. Thank you, Mida. Of course. Wow, we have covered kind of a lot in a short period of time. Is there anything else that you want to ask about or get feedback about before we wrap up? This is a little bit of a shift, but I did want to mention how much I miss teaching. I don't have the bandwidth for it right now. And before I stopped, I didn't really consider myself to be very good at it. And so I've been surprised by how much I miss it. Um, It was stressful and I wasn't anxious, but I always just, it's the same kind of thing. I just really wanted to do a good job. I wanted my clients to feel like I was present with them, that I was paying attention to them. Um, And I thought that this kind of more stable work would be a relief. And it is in a way, Um, you know, I'm not hustling all the time trying to get my own clients or teach classes and things like that. Um, But I I do miss it. (laughs) That makes complete sense. And I think that would be another good thing to be in conversation with the studio owner about to just let her know that you miss it and that you would like to structure your role in such a way that eventually you do have the bandwidth to teach. Because it's important for you to feel fulfilled in your role, you know, as somebody who has an employee who, you know, takes care of a lot of admin stuff for me, I want her to be happy. I want her (laughs) to want to keep working for me. So if she tells me, like, I want to teach, you know, let's say, for example, and this is not the case, but let's say she said, hey, I want to teach in your business. I'd be like, great, let's figure out how to make that happen. because she's integral. I can't do it without her. I don't want to do it without her. To anyone listening who plays an admin role for a yoga studio or for a yoga business, do not underestimate your impact because those of us who are more in the leadership and creative roles 
in these businesses, we don't want to do all the admin stuff. It's a lot. And so it's such a service and it's a necessary service, right? We need the I's to be dotted. We need the T's to be crossed <laughs> and, you know, just trust that your employer wants you to be happy. Thank you. I mean, specifically, they want you to be happily working for them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they definitely want that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was such an interesting conversation and so relevant to the moment. I know that there are other yoga studio owners and studio managers having these similar conversations and similar challenges. So thank you for bringing this to the podcast. I'm excited that we got to talk about something different. Oh, thank you for making space for me to share. Thank you again to the generous and courageous yoga teachers who participate in these coaching calls. I've had so many listeners reach out to let me know how helpful they are, and that would not be possible without the passion and vulnerability that you embody. And I also want to give a huge thank you to the patrons of the podcast who contribute to the expenses on a monthly basis. If you're curious about deepening your connection to this community and becoming a patron, I hope you'll go to teachingyoga.net slash patron to find out about all of the perks and benefits of becoming a patron. I'm so very, very grateful to have you as a listener, and I would be incredibly delighted and honored to also have you as a patron. Keeping these podcast episodes free from outside ads is really important to me, and the patrons of the podcast are what make that possible. Once again, the link to get all the details and to sign up is teachingyoga.net slash patron. And whether or not contributing to the podcast is something you're interested or is a possibility for you in this moment, I hope that you'll remember to center your own self-care and your personal practice this week. And I'll see you next week for another episode of the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast.